So there are some pieces of scripture which are, uh, shall we say, more complicated than others. There are certain pieces of scripture that are very easy to debate. And our scripture this evening, especially the parable part of our scripture, is one of these texts. Pretty much every commentary I picked up uh, last week in trying to prepare, prepare this sermon, um, in one way or another said, there's not a lot of agreement on exactly what Jesus meant. Because some of the things that Jesus says are, in this parable, seem to go against what we think Jesus stands for. And so this parable needs some unpacking and un a lot of unpacking. So this is a great one to sit around a table and say, okay, when Jesus said this, what do you think he meant? Because there really isn't as much of a clear answer to that. Though hopefully uh, when you walk away from this sermon this evening, maybe you'll have a little better idea. But, you know, it's not those parts of the Bible that we really have to... Uh, wrestle with as much. Mark Twain once said, it ain't the parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do. And when we read this passage of scripture this evening, we get past that parable and it enters into that portion of text which is pretty clear. In fact, verse 13 pretty much states it all. No slave can serve two masters. For a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Well, that seems pretty clear, right? You have God on one side and wealth on the other, and you cannot serve both. Well, mostly clear anyway, because in reality, wealth, or money, if you will, not even lots of it, but just some of it, is something that we have to deal with in our everyday lives. When I went to the grocery store yesterday, after I put the items in my basket and got up to the checkout line and they scanned everything, they expected me to pay. Funny thing. When, when I bought the gas to put into the car that got me here tonight, well, they expected me to pay for that as well. And even things like having lights on in here and air conditioning on in here, these are all things that are paid for. Everything in life pretty much is paid for by somebody. In fact, you can even take a vow of poverty and live a very simple life but unless you're falling completely off the grid and going and building your own shelter out in the middle of the woods and growing your own food, you're probably going to be depending on someone to pay for something. Because even if you have no home of your own and you're going to a shelter and having a meal, that meal was paid for by somebody. Somewhere along the line, somebody covered the cost of it. And so money is intertwined in our daily lives. It's very much what the world today runs on. But then the problem here isn't really money. The real issue is the pursuit of it. What is it that's driving us towards money? 
So I want to unpack that a little bit tonight as we continue this series on what it means to live faith in a practical way. What it means to live out our faith in our daily lives. And so when I read this scripture, I think it comes down to one question. One probably not simple question, but fairly easy to understand question of is, what is it that you're seeking in your life? The world has all kinds of things for us to seek. I mean, you know, YouTube has really created this whole, all you have to do is have a camera and you can be a sensation almost overnight. Fame is no longer such a hard thing to have. In fact, it's not just 15 minutes of fame. They now have TV shows all about people who are famous because they're on TV, which makes them famous. And that's what they're famous for. So we have fame and we have wealth. And of course, you can't turn on the TV and not hear about the election season and there's power and there's all of these things that the world kind of says are the symbols of success. These are the things that the world tells us are what we should be drawn to, how we should measure ourselves by. What is my level of notoriety? How much money do I have in my bank account? How nice is my car? How much control do I have over others? These are the standards of the world. But that's not how we work. Not as Christians, anyway. Because we kind of have a different way of going about things. Jesus taught us a better way, a way that I think is better anyway. Jesus taught us that we aren't to seek to be famous, to be wealthy, to be all-powerful, but we're to care for one another. And that's where the problem with money comes in. You see, at this time in your life, I imagine most of you are imagining uh, because I, I imagine there's no one in here besides maybe myself that has a real full-time paycheck. I imagine, you imagine you're imagining that day when you'll be able to have that full-time paycheck, right? Now, that is not a bad thing. It is not a bad thing to want to have, uh, to be able to provide for yourself, to be able to provide for those you care about, to uh, pursue a family if that's what you wish, to have the means to care for them, that's not a bad thing. What's bad, though, is when we make the pursuit of wealth at all costs. The problem with money is it becomes very attractive because it's really easy to say to yourself, if I just had one more paycheck this month, I'd be good. Just one more. I, it's all I need. Just one extra paycheck this month, and I'd be good. If I just had X number of dollars in my bank account at the end of the month, I'd be good. It's easy to think like that. And then it's when the opportunity presents itself to possibly have that, it makes that even more enticing. The problem is that a lot of times in our world, 
we see people getting ahead that way by stepping on others. It's a race to the top and knock others out of the way on the way up. Jesus is trying to tell us something about that pursuit of wealth. That pursuit of wealth becomes like a sickness because it grows and it grows and it grows. And when that's our focus in life, when it becomes, can I just get this much, it can even start to take over. So rather than pursuing wealth, God is calling us to pursue faith in one another, to pursue God in our community. There's an old Indian parable about a guru and his star disciple. And the guru was so pleased with this man's spiritual progress that he left him on his own. And the man lived in a little mud hut. His only clothing was a loincloth, a small covering around his midsection. He lived a very simple life in his mud hut. He begged for food each day. And each morning after his devotions, the disciple washed his loincloth and hung it out to dry. One day he came back to discover the loincloth torn and eaten by rats. And he begged the villagers for another, and they gave it to him. But the rats ate that one too. <laughs> Lost my place in this story. <laughs> so one day he, he uh, asked the villagers for another loincloth and they gave it to him and the rats ate that one too. So he thought to himself, I'll get a cat. And the cat took care of the rats. But now when he begged for food, he had to care for the cat as well. Well, this won't do, he thought. So I know I'll get a cow and then I won't have to beg for milk to give to the cat. And so he got the cow and... Then he realized he had to feed the cow, and so he had to beg for hay to feed the cow. So then he decided, I'll till and plant the field around my mud hut, and I'll uh, plant and uh, grow my own hay. Then I won't have to beg for it. But then he soon found he had no time for contemplation. So he hired servants to tend to his farm. But then overseeing these uh, servants, became a chore, so he married a wife so that she could help him. And after time, the disciple became the wealthiest man in the village. And when the guru stopped by, he was shocked to see that where once stood a simple mud hut, there now loomed a palace surrounded by a vast estate, worked by many servants. What is the meaning of this, he asked his disciple. You won't believe this, sir, the man replied, but there was no other way I could keep my loincloth. The man started out with the most earnest of intentions. Started out with wanting to spend time focused on his devotions. But then other things happened and it built and it built 
and it built and it snowballed until suddenly he was doing all that he could to care for his wealth so that he could care for all of the other responsibilities he had. He had to make choices. Was it bad to have a family? Was it bad to have a cat? Are these bad things? Well, maybe yes, maybe no. We see where it led him. But that's kind of what life is. Life is a series of choices each and every day. Getting up each day and saying, I'm going to live my life this way or that way. Or when this opportunity presents itself, I'm going to do this thing or do that thing. Now, sometimes those choices are not very clear. And what the right and wrong is questionable. But that is what life is. And that's why it's so important to know what our focus is. What are we focused on? Are we focused on building that wealth? On being successful? On being powerful? On being famous? Are we focused on building others up? There's a pastor up in uh, Illinois named Reverend Rob McCoy. And he wrote this about this uh, parable. Jesus is trying to teach us something about the nature of relationships and money. And our relationship with money and our choices. Perhaps the manager was praised because he put relationships ahead of money. You could argue that his motivation was less than pure, but in the end he valued his ability to be invited into people's homes over his ability to please his boss. And maybe the owner cared more about the manager's heart than he did about his bottom line. Something that we didn't read on to was the next uh, passage which has the Pharisees saying they didn't like that. They valued money and they understood that having money was the same as having God's favor. But Jesus is reminding them that there are things in this world that are more important than wealth. More important than fame and power and success. And perhaps our level of confusion with this parable is more about the fact that it stirs how remarkably important this parable is. You may be thinking to yourself, like, didn't you just say this is really complicated and nobody understands it? It's true. But just because we can't put a definite value understanding on something doesn't mean it's not the most important thing we can hear. I believe God likes to challenge us. Jesus is calling on us to think this through, to think about what it means to pursue wealth and to pursue God. And then maybe part of the other reason we're really frustrated with this passage and where we don't see Jesus in it is that it's not fair. It's a very unfair 
uh, parable. And it, there's this guy, he's being fired for mismanagement, and so he cheats his boss out of his, what's owed to him. And then the boss is like, that's great because you're going to have favor. And it just doesn't seem very fair or right or the way the world works. And maybe that's part of this parable as well. Because the kingdom of God is not fair. The kingdom of God is not about keeping a proper ledger book. It's not about a bottom line. It's not about everyone getting what is their due because at the end of the day, all of us are sinners. All of us fall short. None of us are perfect. And yet, even though we have all sinned, we are a forgiven and reconciled people. The ledger is wiped clean. In some uh, traditions, when they say the Lord's Prayer, that instead of trespasses, they say our debts. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The debts are washed away. And we are made new. And maybe that's really what this passage is about. And not just me being made new, but all of us being made new. The world being made new. The ledger book being wiped away. Letting go of the idea that I have to climb to the top. And instead see that everyone around me rises up. And that there is no more bottom. A world in which all of us are equal. All of us have are treated with dignity and respect. All of us know and can celebrate in the joy and love of God. The God who has already forgiven us. So maybe this confusing parable, as confusing as it might be, is not really about wealth. Maybe it's about love. Because that is, after all, what the kingdom of God is about. That's God's bottom line. Amen. Here in a moment, the fellowship of sound is going to play some music.